Uh, before I read uh, the New Testament lesson this morning, I want to show my hand to you. I want to show you my cards. I only have really two application points for us this morning. Um, that we would see Jesus for who he is and that we would see his heart for his people. That's it. I'm not going to end with a long list of to-dos this week, things that you should go do better or start doing that you aren't doing or things you should stop doing. All I want for us this morning is that we would see Jesus for who he is and see his heart for his people. <clears throat> you know, there, there are several films uh, made about the life of Jesus, uh, and, and some of them are very good. God has used these Jesus films um, across the world to share the gospel with people. Missionaries use them to communicate in native languages. Uh, there, there's been some amazing work done through these films about Jesus. When I was about 12 years old, I saw one of these films, and I'm sure that the director and the producers of these film, the film that I saw did a better job than I remember. But I have one image in my brain about Jesus from that film. It's this pale, emotionless, passionless, almost lifeless human being. His movements are very calculated and reserved. That is not the Jesus of Scripture. And I don't know what image that you have uh, of Jesus in your mind. Maybe your Jesus is um, a vengeful Jesus. Maybe your Jesus is a milquetoast Jesus who, who loves but doesn't expect anything. Or maybe like me, you just have this image of this holy robot that was sent to earth to tick off the prophecies and one by one, check them off. Yes, I took care of that. I took care of all of that in Isaiah. I've got this. And now I'm done with the work that God's given me to do. If you have one of those images of Jesus this morning, wipe the slate clean. Let's go to the New Testament lesson and let's see Jesus for who he is. New Testament lesson is from Mark 6, verse 30 through 44. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And when they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things, and when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And he said to them, and they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. 
And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray for us. Lord, you send forth your word to do your purposes, and it does not return to you void, but it accomplishes all that you send it to do. Send your word into our hearts this morning, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, let us see Jesus. Let us see him for who he is, and let us see his heart for his people. In his name we pray. Amen. Now, the context of of this passage of Scripture is that Jesus has sent the twelve out two by two. Uh, In Mark chapter 6, if you look back at verse 7, he calls the twelve, he sends them out, and he gives them authority over the evil spirits, and he sends them out to preach repentance and to heal. And the funny thing is, that seems like a lot of work, right? I mean, that's not an easy task. Okay, let's let's sit down, let's think about this, let's prepare. Some people, like me, I would just hop in the truck and drive. Uh, I have a friend named T.W. You might know T. Uh, T would make many lists and and catalog the list. And and so some people are more prepared than others for for a great task. Um, But Jesus says, don't even take an extra coat. Wear your sandals. Don't take any food. Don't take any money. Just go. Now, that does not seem... Uh, like a very good idea, but that's what Jesus tells them to do. So in verse 30, the apostles have returned to Jesus, and they've told him all that they did, and they've told him all that they taught. And these guys are probably worn out, right? I mean, fighting demons does not seem like a very easy thing to do. Even in the power of God, you would think that is just, that is gut-wrenching, hard work calling people to repentance, healing the sick, uh, you know, the, the testimonies that we heard this morning, the tears that were shed in front of this microphone for the hell that, that your people have seen. That's what these disciples have seen, sickness, demon possession, filth. And they have come back and they are weary. Now let's just walk through the story. If we want to see Jesus, we've got to walk through this slowly. Um, so if you have your Bible... Let's just look at it together. Okay. So they come back to Jesus. Jesus sees the look on their faces. And he says in 31, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Now, that sounds like good news to me. I mean, that is a command that I can follow. Uh, Eric, you've done enough. Go take a nap. Amen. Yes, Lord. I can do that. This is a command that they want to obey. Come away by, uh, to your, by yourselves to a desolate place and rest. And it says many were coming and going. They didn't even have time to eat. I mean, these guys are hungry. They're tired. They're emotionally drained. They're worn out. And they went away to a desolate place by boat. And they're going out, off by themselves with Jesus. And there's a problem. The people recognize them. 
there's the guys. There they are, that, right there. That's them in that boat, all right? And so they just take off, and they're running down the shore, and, and there's a commotion, and now crowds are coming out from every village and every town. They figure out where the boat is headed, and they actually run on foot, and they get there first. And I can just see the apostles. You have got to be kidding me. We have just been with these people, and Jesus... He's the master. He said, go away by yourself, get some rest, get something to eat, and these people will not leave us alone. And so the boat pulls up, Jesus steps off that boat, and he just lets them have it, right? No. No. Verse 34, when he, that's Jesus, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things, and it grew late. I think this was a long sermon. Far longer than my sermon's going to be. So don't worry. But Jesus teaches a long time. And the disciples come to him, and they say, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. It's as if they're saying, you are going to kill this whole assembly in the wilderness with hunger. Just, just like we heard from Exodus. Everybody check, check your, see if it's you. Just, just check your little clicker and see if it's... I'll preach through. Um, and so the disciples are like, Jesus, send these people away. Just send them away so that they can get something to eat. What else are they thinking? So we can get something to eat. And we can finally rest. So Jesus has other plans, of course. 37. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. Now, if we rush through these next few verses, we miss Jesus. You give them something to eat. I cannot tell you for sure from the passage. I think there's a pregnant pause here. You know, the, 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 I don't know if the 12 are standing in a line. If there's two or three, maybe James and John and Peter are up here close and the rest are in the back. I don't know. But I think they're thinking, What? What do you mean? And then finally, one of them you know, speaks for the group. Do you want us to take a half year's wages and go buy bread to feed these people one meal? Just send them on. And then Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? What? I mean, unless one of the apostles is driving a dump truck full of bread, this is a ridiculous question. And I think there's another pause. Because Jesus has to follow his question. He doesn't get an answer. Go and see. I'm serious. Go and see how much bread you have. And so they come back to him and they say, well, we've got, we've got five loaves and a couple of fish. If you can do something with that. And Jesus commands them all 
to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them and all ate and were satisfied. And there was something left over, 12 baskets full. And Mark ends the section by telling us, and those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. It's a miracle. Right? I mean, Jesus has taken five measly, measly loaves of bread and he's fed 5,000 people. It's a miracle. So what do we do with this? I mean, is that the end of it? Okay. That's, that's good. I mean, that is good. Jesus is good. Uh, he's powerful. He can do things we don't really even understand. Is that it? Is that what we do with this passage? You know, there's a lot of applications that we could draw from this passage. First of all, if you've heard any sermons at all about Mark 6, you've heard, and it's not 5,000, by the way, right? That's just the men. There's women, there's children. It's probably more like 20,000. Is that the point? Is that what Mark wants us to see here? Is that why Jesus is doing this miracle? It's not just five, it's 20. Jesus is not just a miracle worker, he's a super miracle worker. He can do 5,000, any old slacker can feed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread, right? Jesus feeds 20,000. 20,000 people. Is that the point? I don't think so. What about trust in God's provision? You have almost nothing. That's okay. God can do more with what you have. God's always going to provide for you. You're in the wilderness. You need bread. God's going to provide. Is that the point? It's a legitimate point. We get that from other places in Scripture. That's not Mark's point. What about God gives us good gifts so that we can bless others? Right? If you notice, Jesus doesn't take the bread and start handing it to people. What does he do? He gives it to the disciples. He says, you take this to these people. You brought me this measly gift. I've multiplied it, and now I give it back to you so that you can meet the needs of others. Is that the point? It's a legitimate point. Scriptures replete with passages that would tell us to be good stewards, to be generous, to have compassion on other people. Right? Legitimate application. I don't think that's Mark's point. What about put the needs of others before our own? Maybe that's it. These disciples are tired, they're hungry, they're frustrated. They just want to rest, eat and rest. A cycle over and over again. They want to get some time. Is that a legitimate point? Is that a legitimate application from God's word? Absolutely. Absolutely. We should put others' needs before our own. It's explicit in scripture. But if we stop there, we miss we miss it. What is Jesus doing? And why does Mark use the language that he uses in this passage? I think he wants us to see who Jesus is and Jesus' love for his people. I told you that's what I was going to and that's where we are. Who is he? 
in his perfect providence, Jesus has led his disciples into the wilderness to grumble about bread. Hasn't he? Is Jesus surprised by this? Oh, you're tired? Let's get in this boat. It will go right out to the center of the lake where no one can see us. <laughs> uh, no, everyone can see you. If you wanted him to be by himself, you would have said, sneak off through the trees over there. Jesus has led his disciples into the wilderness to grumble about bread so that he can show them who he is. From our Old Testament lesson, Exodus 16, 4, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven. And in verse 12, And when I do, then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Jesus is revealing himself. You know, I sent Nathan a sermon quote uh, this week, which I think is your practice. And he said, let's put that on the front of the bulletin. Turn over to this, because I think it's important. If you don't like the Lord of the Rings, and you don't like The Hobbit, and you can't stand C.S. Lewis, I'm sorry. I love Tolkien and Lewis. Just give me three minutes, okay? There's a, there's a, a scene in The Two Towers, the movie. I can't remember exactly how it happens in the book, but in the movie... Gandalf, the leader of this, this band of friends, has fallen, and he's gone, and he's dead, and they're just in desperation going after two of their friends who have been kidnapped. And Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli, they come, they're in this forest, and they see, this, they see someone approaching, and they don't know who it is. They think it's their enemy. And as the, the figure approaches, there's this, this gleaming light, this radiant light, and they can't see who it is. And a voice comes from the light. You are tracking the footsteps of two young hobbits. And Aragorn says, where are they? And the white wizard says, they passed this way. The day before yesterday, they met someone they did not expect. Does that comfort you? And Aragorn says, who are you? Show yourself. And Gandalf steps out of this radiant light, and the light fades, and they see his face, and it's their friend that they've known, and they've longed for, and they embrace him. Jesus is doing the exact opposite. Jesus is stepping forward from a seemingly mundane life to reveal that he is the God who gives bread in the wilderness, the God who exists in radiant light from eternity past. He is showing his disciples who he is. It's not about bread. And it's not about provision. And it's not about need. It's about who is Jesus Christ. That's what he's doing. He's revealing himself. And, and they don't get it yet. They don't get it yet. Later on, he's going to feed 4,000. The story's almost the same. And in case you think maybe it just got put in there twice, later Jesus refers. He says, don't you understand yet? Remember when I fed the 5,000 and we took up the 12 baskets? And remember when I fed the 4,000? Do you get it? They don't get it yet, but they're going to. This is going to be part of the tapestry that God is weaving so that his people will know who he is. But it's not just who is Jesus, because if it's just who is Jesus, we can still keep him at arm's length. 
right? Oh, great. This Jesus that's supposed to be the friend of sinners, he's the God of the universe. Well, that's no good. Because now I can't approach him. Now I can't embrace him. Now I can't even truly know him. Because he's this God that's far off. Well, Jesus doesn't leave us there. He shows us his heart for his people. Look at verse 34 again. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them. The same way that we saw our friends weeping over these sheep without a shepherd. Jesus looks at this crowd the same way. And then 39. I think 39 is the heart of the passage. I really do. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. The green grass. Why would Mark tell us that? That is so insignificant. What color the grass was. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I imagine Jesus in a wave of clarity and passion that we cannot possibly understand, stepping off of this boat and seeing this crowd and mumbling Psalm 23 under his breath. His heart is for his sheep. I don't know that for sure. I know that he knew the scriptures. I know that Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on this law, he meditates day and night. Jesus meditated on the word of God day and night. I would not be surprised if he steps off that boat and said, I am that shepherd. I am the shepherd for these people. Now I'm going to do something a little unorthodox uh, at this point in a sermon I'm going to read a long passage of scripture and if that scares you stay with me it's just about 16 or 20 verses but I think if he wasn't thinking about Psalm 23 this is what may have been on Jesus' heart it's Ezekiel 34 if you want to turn there in Ezekiel 34 God is angry He's angry because the shepherds of Israel have abandoned his people. Worse than that, they've devoured them. And God brings down judgment on those people, those shepherds of Israel who should have taught and fed and cared for and led the people to the feet of God, to the presence of God. Ezekiel 34, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat and you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. 
So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And it became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains. And on every high hill, my sheep were scattered all over all the face of the earth. With none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely... Because my sheep have become a prey, and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. God is not controlled by his passions. He experiences every intention of his heart purposefully and perfectly. But there is a shift here. Because the anger that God is feeling for those who should have cared for his people turns to compassion and determination. I want you to listen for the word I in this next section. It's in there 16 times. Listen to what God says he will do. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on the day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the, land, from the countries. And I will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines. And in all the inhabited places of the country, I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in a good grazing land. And on rich pasture, they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. And then verse 23, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd and I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. This is the heart of Jesus for his people. He is the God who gives bread in the wilderness. Yes, he exists in eternity past with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And yet he is the shepherd of his people. And when Jesus stepped off that boat, I know it. I know he thought, I am this shepherd. He was excited. He leaned in to shepherd his people. But he didn't stop, did he? He didn't stop with giving us good pasture. He didn't stop with seeking the lost and bringing us in so that we would be here this morning to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, to worship him. He didn't stop there. He didn't stop healing the injured and the sick and binding them up. 
Jesus loved his sheep all the way to the cross. All the way to the cross. John 10, 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus loved us all the way to the cross. This is the heart of Jesus Christ for his people. This is the heart of Jesus for you and for me. You know, there's one final time that Jesus took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. Except this time he said, this is my body given for you. And we're about to share in this same meal because Jesus loves his people. Let me pray for us. Lord, we may have come into this room today with misconceptions of who you are and what your heart towards us is about. But Lord, we see from your word that you have a reckless love for your people. I pray that we, as we come to this table this morning that we would see in this visible sign that you give to us the love that you have for your people. And we pray in Jesus' name.